Week Replay on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNC. Featuring the best of the best from today's conversations, observations, and ruminations. Because great radio is still fresh the second time around. Earlier today on the Mac and Bone Show. I don't think that's a bad idea. I mean, this is a, a franchise and an owner who, you know, for, for two former psych, previous cycles, you know, he he was not doing this cleanly at the same time where let's get rid of Ron Rivera but keep Marty Herney. Um, let's, let's finally got rid of, uh, you know, Marty Herney and, and, you know, the Matt Rules bitter thing did not jive up. So, I think that makes a lot of sense to have a little more cohesion uh, where, where those two roles and, and positions are, are concerned. Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. So Joe Person thinks it's all right if you hire the coach before the GM. Uh, call me old school. I would like the GM. I'd really like it to be a v- VP of football operations position where that man runs everything on the football side and the owner writes a check for him. And that's how I would like it to work. We know it's not going to work that way here, or at least it would floor us if David Tepper did decide to do it that way and give one man all the power of the football operation. But that person then would hire the coach. That's the world I want to live in. I just think, Bone, we're never living in that world. David Tepper wants to hire yet another head coach, man. Well, whoever you know? the, whoever the head coach is and whoever is in charge of the front office, basically they're going to be David Tepper's assistants. I tweeted out the other day, David Tepper is trying to find a head coach that could be his assistant coach. <laughs> Which is kind of funny. But it's assistant like, GM also. Yeah, he's just trying to find people that he can work with best. Not, uh, not that can help the football team. Who can, he, who can he blend with the best or his football ideology? Oh, my goodness. So, yeah, I would like to consult. Like, you hire someone to run the front office, and then he is heavily involved in the coaching search. Instead, it appears we're going to do what we did with Rule. Although, although that one at least wasn't, I guess it was just Joe's point, that one wasn't done in the same offseason. At least this one you will pair up the coach and GM. That one was really clunky where a year later, like you kept Marty for a year. Yep. And then a year later you're going out and hiring a, a, a GM. So at least now you got a little bit. But like I look at the Niners, the Niners, the Niners, the Niners hired, speak much? Niners hired John Lynch first, then Kyle Shanahan. And I have a How's feel- that worked out for them? And it's, 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 it, they've been amazing. And I have a feeling, Bone, that John Lynch was counseled on that hire, right, of the coach. It's just that makes more sense to me. We'll see. Keep our fingers crossed. Hopefully we can get this thing right at some point. You know what kind of scares me a little bit? If, if Tepper is enamored with Ben Johnson again and he doesn't get Ben Johnson, what happens after that? Does Tepper get panicky? Does he, you know what I mean? If he doesn't get what he wants right away, what direction does he go in? And is it a direction that is a Slowick or Canalis or whatever? Is it the right direction? Or does he wait on Ben Johnson? Other coaches go other places. If he doesn't get Ben Johnson, I'm scared of what plan B might be. And if they don't have a plan B, I think there's some really good alternatives to Ben Johnson. And you just named them. You just named him. Bobby Sloak and Dave Canal. Dave Canales in Tampa. Look at his offense yesterday. I think both those guys are really good options, which brings us, Bone, to the conversation we wanted to have here. And I sense that you and I kind of disagree about this, potentially, 
Um, and I've seen more and more people say, you got to hire the leader as a head coach. You can go get an offense coordinator. You need the leader. Do you have a head coach type of preference? I usually culture gra- leader guy or offensive X's and O's nerd, as you called him first, earlier. For, first of all, they can yeah. use any of the following a leader or guys that can actually design plays. So any direction they go in, you hope that they can get much are, worse. They can't get much worse. So it's not like I'm anti this or anti that. I just gravitate more towards the leadership types. I gravitate towards more Harbaugh and Vrabel and a Dan Campbell type guy. You watch the reaction Mac, of the players to Dan Campbell. You watch how players feel about Mike Tomlin. I just, I've always been more of the, you've got to, there's so much that has to be fixed here. And I think it starts with the culture and the respect of the franchise and how they're viewed. And I think a guy like a Vrabel or someone of that type, that leadership, that players want to run through the wall for the guy that could deliver that speech that we see these playoff teams do. I just gravitate more towards those types. I think probably you're probably more towards the, you're more on the nerd side. And I, I mean, nerd in a good way. Uh, by the way, the best uh, case to your argument is Steve Wilkes. Steve Wilkes is 100% certified leader of men, culture man. And look what he did at this organization where no one else can walk and chew gum at the same time over there. And he was able to put a decent run together, almost win the division. You need someone to stabilize so, this, this. So uh, I think that's your this best. foundation is falling down. Could someone hold it up for I a while? I think that's your best argument. I would simply, first of all, they have to hire a good coach. And they can come in multiple types, Right. You can hire a great coach that's an X and O's offensive schemer, and you can hire a great coach that is a so-called culture guy. You can also fail by trying to hire both. They just have to get the right guy. But I just simply want to make a case, because I think Bryce Young is the most important thing here. Like, yes, culture is extremely important, and I get your point. Bryce Young is also extremely important. We gave up so much. If we see him fail, I'm telling you, it is going to set our organization back. And we we already thought we were far back. It will set us back even further if if Bryce Young's a failure. And I think the best hope to make Bryce Young succeed is to bring in an offensive guy that helps him. And I would just simply point out some names here, Bone. Kyle Shanahan, Sean McVay, um, uh, Matt LaFleur, Zach Taylor. Um, Mike McDaniel, although he got squirrely the other night. These guys are offensive guys. Andy Reid is an offensive guy by trade. Yeah. Like, there's a lot of successful examples of offensive guys. You don't always need the kneecap biter. And again, I like kneecap comes, biters. Though. It comes down. So is that it just, reminds me because I had coaches growing up, Matt, that were the leadership type, not the X and O guy. I had a guy deliver a speech when I was 10 years old where we had the we were running through walls. I've always gravitated more towards the leadership type right there. <laughs> Dan Rose's father, basketball speech, oh, all-timer, okay. yeah. Okay, there it was all go. about taking a sip of that cup, that championship <laughs> cup. And my dad still brings it up. The how He was like Vince Lombardi to us back in Connecticut. And listen, some of these other guys. Maybe, maybe Dan Rose's father's speech, I still think about it driving to work sometimes. Yeah, okay, so, okay, so this hits close to home for you, I see. I Here's the thing. Is he available to be hired bound? All right, so here's the thing. I um, You do realize that there are plenty of, plenty of guys who are considered X's and O's guys that also create a great culture? Like, oh, there you know is. What I mean? Yeah, no, I, I, you think Kyle Shanahan? Do you, what do you, think, you think they have I'm not a rube here. I understand yeah. that. So it says don't act like – I just don't want people to act like – 
Just if you hire Ben Johnson, you hire Bobby Slowick, or you hire Dave Canales, that means the culture is going to be terrible. It's just a nerd that can't command a room full of grown men. Like, we don't know that. That is hopefully what they get to the bottom of in the interviews. Now, the problem is David Tepper hadn't been able to figure that out. Case in point, Shane Steichen. I thought he had an amazing year with Gardner Minshew being his primary quarterback. I thought he had an amazing year. And if they, if, if they connect on a swing pass against Houston, they might have been the one playing in the playoffs last weekend. True. And David Tepper thought Shane Steichen was, you know, from what I'm told, not just Tepper, the whole Panthers brass thought he was thoroughly unimpressive, thought it was a terrible interview that he gave. And he goes, it knocks it out of the park with Indy, and, and look how he did in year one. So we have to be able to identify these candidates better. And it's going you know? to be interesting to see, Mac, the Tampa offense against Detroit. Dave Canales is a guy, well, I know he's probably not on the level of name that Johnson and Slowick are right now. But Dave Canales, what he's done for Baker Mayfield this year, look at how much different Baker looks right now. And look how much they spread the ball around last night against Philadelphia. He has fixed and got Baker Mayfield back to a confident level. He did the same thing with Geno Smith. Geno Smith was almost basically done for what we thought of Geno Smith. He gets another contract. Oh, so that offensive nerd's okay to you. I, I just, I'm, uh. I, fixing Bryce Young is paramount. You are correct. F fixing Bryce Young is what this franchise needs. And if we just had a guy fix Geno Smith and Baker Mayfield back-to-back -back years, I'm circling that guy as, a, as one of my main targets. What if we had a guy turn Jared Goff uh, you know, into what he is now? I'm not what arguing. If we, what if we had a guy work saying, with a rookie quarterback and have him have one of the I best rookie quarterback seasons? I, I didn't say those guys are on the table. I'm saying that Canales, though, with his work, might not be too far off from those dudes also. If Johnson says no, if you can't get Slowick, and these See, other guys aren't interviewing, then I think Dave Canales has to be a guy that's talking I about. think he's a great candidate, too. It just feels like you are very cold on Slowick and Johnson. I don't think Johnson's going to come here. I just have a I just have a I don't know. I just and I don't. Slowick. What do you think there? Too nerdy? He's not. He's he not too nerdy. He's for not you? nerdy, but it is. It is very soon into him as the OC. So I, I, I think he can be really good, but. I don't know, but Ben Johnson, I don't have confidence that he's going to come here. This texter, I hope I'm wrong, to be honest, but I just, I don't know, man. We'll see. Tab Daddy going to break out the the, the uh, Brinks truck. We'll see if it works. You very well may be right. Washington wants him too, and that situation obviously looks better than ours. They all look better than ours right now. As far as uh, text here, because Bone, you've created like this anti-nerd movement. You're like Ted McGinley in Revenge of the Nerds right now. You know what I mean? You're like Ogre in Revenge of the Nerds. Um, uh, he says, none of these ner X and O nerds, let me, let me uh, phrase it correctly, get, can galvanize our locker room. Mike McDaniel is about as nerdy as it gets as a football coach. Would everybody agree? I don't know if you've oh, seen. Oh, no. He's, have you he's, seen? Have you, he's upper echelon nerd. Like, we're talking pocket protector city, right? Uh, we're talking to Lewis and Gilbert on Revenge of the Nerds, as I show my age here again. Um, I don't know if y'all have watched any of the hard knocks in season. And watch some of his speeches. You tell me he doesn't have that locker room? I haven't watched that show yet. Okay. He has that locker room. So, Bone, you and some of these texters are just taking guys that just because they have offensive acumen, they're nerdy dorks that are afraid to speak to 300-pound men. And I just think that is unfair, man. Are some of them not going to be able to do it? Yes. But there are some that are out there. I just think you're mischaracterizing these candidates. I think, all I'm but, saying. But not every person's also the same. Not exactly. every person's McDaniel. So if we're going that route, which I get, 
then you you better you better hire the right one, the guy that can that can do stuff. You do realize you better not hire the wrong one. You could try you could, to hire a leader and hire the wrong one of those too. You could, you know, that's very, the thing. Very well, could. All right, let's get to flounder. Let's everybody, let's relax here. Let's relax. We're trying to find you the right relax. coach. It's getting tense in here. You we settle down. We don't know who we want. You're we don't tense. know. Oh no, if we want a nerd, Bone Bone wants Ogre from Revenge of the Nerds, and I want Lewis. Is that too old of a reference, by the yeah. way? Yeah, let's, let's go. It? Hold on a minute. That's one of my favorite all-time movies. Revenge of the Nerds. <laughs> Have you ever seen it or no? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It yeah. came out when I was just coming out. 1984. Is that too old of a reference? Why don't you go Big Bang Theory? The Why don't you go Big Bang Theory? Because I never watched it, man. What is I never wrong watched with you? it. Um, anyway. All right. That's old, isn't it? How is that 40 years ago? That's 39 years ago. My God, the time is flying. Yeah, that movie's older than our demo. I'm getting old as hell. All right, here it is. Flounder, what do you got, baby? It's the montage of misery. Dallas Cowboy styles. It need any other introduction, Flound? I think that's good. Okay, let's hear it. You fell for it, didn't you? You fell for it, didn't you? You actually thought y'all were going to win some playoff games. Love Jones getting near the goal line. Is he in? He is. Touchdown, Green Bay on the opening drive. First drive that they drove down the Cowboys' throat, and it was 7 nothing. I turned it off then. I knew it was over then, guys. ASAP, new quarterback. Dak, get him out of here. Trey Lance, the next stud. Let's go. Aaron Jones up the gut. Surging forward. He's in. Touchdown, Green Bay. Thank you, Mike. Keep putting it on the boys. It's a bunch of entitled, spoiled athletes that ain't won nothing. There's love. Pressure. Back for throw. End zone. It is caught for the touchdown. Dontavian Wicks. That just hurts. It hurts me. It hurts to watch this team just fall apart every year. Prescott, it's going to be picked off, and no one in front of him. Darnell Savage, touchdown. Oh, oh f- that. No. It's over. It's over. The game is over. Cut it off. It's over. 27 to nothing before halftime. Before halftime. Oh, a little miscommunication there, but Marsh just thinks he's got a man wide open and stop. Enjoyment has been zapped. Love. Back foot. That's a man. Wide open. It's going to be caught by Musgrave. Racing towards the end zone. He is in. Touchdown, Green Bay. What is a person supposed to do as a fan? Just quit on the team? Well, I mean, what else is there left? Love. Zips it in there. It's caught for the touchdown, Romeo Dobbs. If you're doing sports talk radio around the country and you're planning shows and segments making fun of Dallas losing in the playoffs, something they have done for 29 straight years, it's rather pathetic. Got him. <laughs> what an effort by the Packers. They come into Dallas, they had them their first loss here all year, and the number seven seed. Yesterday, the Dallas Cowboys got exposed 
as gutless, heartless, leaderless playoff frauds. Well, better luck next year. <laughs> Six to ten. Instant replay continues with more in a moment. Only on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. The exclusive home of the Charlotte Sports Fan. You're listening to Instant Replay on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Because great radio the second time around is always twice as nice. This afternoon on the Wesson Walker Show. What kind of attempt are they going to make in order to help Bryce Young, whether it be hiring one of these coaches that are impressive, impressive resumes with the team they might get fired from Sirianni. Look, you win double digit games, two straight playoff appearances, including one Super Bowl appearance, helping Jalen Hurts along the way. Like Sirianni has done, I would still say a good job with that team. Maybe not this year, especially at the back half, but Sirianni still impressive run. Mike McCarthy. As much as I question the hell out of his play calling, 12 wins is impressive. Mike Tomlin, not having a losing season, if he's gone from Pittsburgh, you're going to have a lot of those guys that I would be just fine being the head coach here in Carolina. Do you think that they can help Bryce Young, some of these retreads, and just how damaged do you think Bryce Young is after a bad first season as the number one overall pick? Um, You know, I think he's a little damaged from the sacks, and then he had to deal with a lot of stuff. I mean, you have to deal with the psychology of do you believe, how much of a role do you believe you played in your coach getting fired? Uh, And so I think that for Bryce, he went through – enough this season more than guys go through in four, five, six seasons, maybe even their whole careers. And so I think for Bryce, the biggest thing that he has to learn is just that the NFL is, is a week to week league, because I'm sure that as I've said from as, as uh, successful as he was in high school and college, you know, every week the narratives would be around, you know, how can the team better serve him, which that's part of the narrative here, but it's always been, you know, can they win the championship? Can they compete for a championship and, and things of that nature? That's what he's dealt with up until this point. I just think this year he got a, a harsh reality check. And I think he thought that that would probably be the case being a rookie, but also the narrative, coming into the Panthers that this was a team that was right there for the division the year before, and he was going to be the guy to come in and be the missing piece, and off they would go. And I think he probably thought that as well. And then once he got into the regular season, he saw how fast things can go south in the NFL, just like we just talked about the the team we just saw, the Philadelphia Eagles last year, 70 sacks, burying everybody. Nobody can stop them. Look this year, defense isn't a shell of what they were the year before. Offense wasn't a shell of what they were the year before. So this is definitely a week-to-week, year-to-year league, and I think Bryce has uh, definitely gotten a big-time wake-up call in those regards. All right, so the other thing is, I having Sam Monson on last week, he talked about how the tape before this year still matters. Watching Bryce Young at Alabama, what he was able to accomplish with the Crimson Tide still matters, despite now having a bad year, his first year in the NFL. So, did we get to see the real Bryce Young this season? Jake DeLome joined Kyle Bailey and said he didn't think so. The biggest thing with Bryce, and I'm not trying to, you know, look for excuses. I don't know if we truly saw the real Bryce Young this year, to be quite honest. We had some deficiencies. We had some, some, so many injuries, especially at the offensive line. And then, in essence, three different play callers. It just, 
losing your head coach during the course of the season. And, and certainly, I, I think receiver-wise, I, I think we'll, you'll see some different receivers on the football team, I would assume, next year to help Adam Thielen and things of that nature. But, um, listen, I, I'm not going to put any words saying, yes, you're going to see that, but you're going to see a much more uh, maybe relaxed quarterback next year. And I say relaxed because I can only imagine what he went through, being sacked, sacked close to 60 times this year. And, um just a rough year all around. What do you make of Jake's comments? Um, well, I do think we did see some of the real Bryce Young because we saw the Bryce Young and what it looks like when things aren't ideal. And I think that's one of the things I talk about with quarterbacks, whether you're a lemonade quarterback or not. Can you just take the lemons that are given and make a nice, refreshing drink? Or can you not do anything with them? Do you need to be insulated with talent? I think we saw this year that Bryce, obviously, it was pretty bare bones on this offense outside of one or two things, but he's a guy that's going to need some insulation. Like this is a guy that's going to need uh, a, a fair amount of talent around him for you to see him at his best. So I think we saw the Bryce Young that you'll see when the chips are down. I, th- I think we saw that when, when everything is uh, chaotic around him. I think that's a version of him that we saw this year. But hopefully he takes that and is able to improve upon it. And when they get the requisite uh, weapons around him, you know, we can we can see a, a, a much more improved Bryce Young. Yeah, I'm, tr- I'm trying to think of th- this is the, the hard part of this conversation because the lemonade quarterback, you know, how, how much can you give him something like did he get lemons to make lemonade? Or did he? Well, they get, were a little warped and. I was about to say. Been sitting there a little bit. I did he even have something <laughs> that you can make a tasty treat? Yeah. Like, I don't even know if you had that this year. The offensive line certainly did not play like that. Think about all the things working against him, right? It, it's not to absolve him. It's just, it's a fact. Coaching wasn't good. Offensive line wasn't good. They were injury ridden all across the interior. Whether it be Austin Corbett, Brady Christensen. Chandler Zavala, who wasn't even good anyway. Cade Mays. And how many combinations did they have? It it almost got to 10 by the end of the season. The different guard combinations. On top of your blind side, not living up to a sixth overall pick. Having the fourth most amount of pressures allowed at the left tackle position. I think according to PFF. Think about all of the things working against him. So, if you get past coaching being a problem. And this is on a play-to-play basis, by the way. If you get past coaching and you also get past a leaky offensive line, great. Now you have to throw to Adam Thielen probably within 10 yards of the line of scrimmage. Do you want to look deep? you want to try to get a lot on this play? Too bad. DJ Chark doesn't have separation, and if he does, he might just drop it. you want to go to Mingo? Mingo's running out of bounds like he did in week two instead of scoring the touchdown, which looked like it could have happened. There were just so many things that had to go right, which means your margin for error, I don't want to say it's slim. It's none. You don't have any. Zero. That's why I can understand why Jake DeLome is telling you we didn't see the real Bryce Young here. Pretty clearly, you have to take C.J. Stroud if we want to do the comparison thing. C.J. Stroud was excellent. He had better pieces. He also was amazing himself. We can watch C.J. Stroud play and say, oh, okay, yeah, that dude is special. Doesn't matter if he has good wide receivers, Offensive line, better left tackle, doesn't matter. C.J. Stroud is really good. Bryce Young just needs some pieces here in order to help him out. Now, I think when you talk about just how ruined it is for Bryce, that's why you got to get this higher right. 
Because I do think Bryce Young can bounce back from a bad first year, Wes. What I think it's going to be a lot harder to do here in Carolina, maybe he goes and he experiences experiences success elsewhere. But if you have two years of lackluster play from Bryce, that's when it's going to be really hard to bounce back from with this organization. Oh, no question about it. And I think for Bryce Young, it's not going to take uh, people long to identify what's going on, especially if they go out uh, and make some of those upgrades. I'm not saying you have to come back with a Pro Bowl roster, but just saying that you will have to come back with some guys that you can look at and not – uh, it, it takes away the ability for uh, any Bryce Young apologist to make excuses for him. That's what I'm saying. If you come back with some decent receivers next year, the offensive line's a little bit improved. You're like, all right, let's see, let's see what you got now. You got a little bit better things to work with than what you had before. And if you're still not seeing what you want to see, then yeah, I think that that is a uh, it's a very bad sign. It's going to be a very disheartening sign um, that he's not the guy. And unfortunately, like we've been talking about with what CJ. Stroud is doing down in Houston uh, that that ramps up the pressure even more uh, to be able to perform because right now for whether it's unfair or not the Panthers look like a laughing stock because they did not pick CJ Stroud a lot of these fans aren't willing to look at nuance or willing to look at things that you see executives and others saying I mean and we'll talk about it but I mean Boomer Sison just the other day ripped the Panthers it was like what were they looking at when they picked Stroud over him so uh, you know that that's a huge. I wonder how strong he was pre-draft. Maybe he was. I just maybe, I would like maybe to know so, that because I, I remember distinctly the only guy that I could remember off the top of my head that was really staunch for C.J. Stroud was Lewis Riddick. Lewis Riddick was he uh, was, was he uh, was C.J. Stroud. And he's guy, letting you know about it now. Look, yeah. yeah, that's a victory lap. Okay, <laughs> yeah, but it's like you. a lot of uh, but there are a lot of people who you know are looking at the Panthers right now as far as it being a big mistake. So for Bryce, I think the pressure's on. I disagree with Jake there. I don't think there's no such thing as him coming in next year and he's gonna be more relaxed and all that 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 anxiety's gonna ratchet up because yeah. the last couple of performances we saw from you, your offense didn't score a point. So people wanna see points on the board. They wanna see that you look good enough for them to feel good about watching seven down in Houston take his team through the playoffs. Well and and does it, it, do you get more relaxed just because you feel safe behind the offensive line, right? I mean, the pressure can go up and you can feel more relaxed because you're not running for your life anymore. Maybe, just maybe you have two seconds to throw the football. Two and a half, I think, is about average. Maybe it's more. Maybe two and a half is a little more than average, but I, I think that's about the mark we look at when we figure out exactly how fast you're getting rid of the football. And if you have just two seconds, then great. That'd be more than what you had this year, seemingly so. Maybe that's how he gets more relaxed. I also want to read this conversation, the back and forth between Greg Olson and Dan Orlovsky on Twitter, because Greg Olson tweeted this out yesterday during the Philadelphia Eagles Tampa Bay Buccaneers game. And you would think it was about Philadelphia's offense. Greg said, if you don't or can't put your QB under center on early downs in the NFL, you're making your quarterback's life very difficult. Dan Orlovsky responded, everyone's life. It's my biggest pet peeve in the NFL right now. Greg, Ol- uh, Greg Olson said, it drives me insane every week. It's not a mystery. The young QBs who broke out this year, Stroud, Jordan Love, etc., all play in the same system. Mina Kimes, not Lenny, Mina Kimes quote tweets this and says, CJ Stroud and Jordan Love using under center play action passes in the wild card round, 10 of 12 for 300 yards and four touchdowns. What was a common criticism 
most mm. people had about the Panthers' offense this past season. They were they, they weren't even shotgun Walker. They were in the pistol. They were not under center at all. You're right, and they weren't running a ton of play action. Thomas Brown hops back on in the second time, and you see him a little more under center, running a little more play action. Probably not as much as we would like to see, but you're seeing these young QBs who are good in their own right, but also play in a scheme that complements them, that complements any young QB, that complements any offense. And we didn't have any of that helping that side of the ball. It also just shows you just how different, as much as the NFL copies and adopts from the college game, like these guys are never under center in college. But you go to the next level, it makes a big difference because Olsen, that was three quarters of his analysis on the Cowboys during Sunday's game right. was that Dak was never under center and it just changes everything. And so I, I, I think these new offensive minds, they get so caught up and we got to be in the shotgun to be creative or you can be just as creative, if not more creative when you put your quarterback under center. Well, I think for one, two, there's a few factors as well, because when you get the quarterback under the center, you're able to manipulate the defense more. I mean, if I'm back there all the time, it's pretty declarative, and it's not saying that I'm going to pass all the time, but I know pretty much like the fakes and things of that nature, especially if you're not going to run RPO. That's the thing with the Panthers. If you're not going to run, if Bryce Young's not an RPO threat, then I'm not going to – that that shotgun isn't going to hide much from me, whereas if he gets under center and then they start running the ball good on me and then he turns his back to the defense, right. well, I don't always know if he's sticking the ball in the gutter, that running back and pulling it out and throwing it downfield. So that's why I think Olsen's saying that too, man, because it helps you manipulate the defense more when you play from under center. That was the conversation on NFL Live midseason. It's turning your back to the defense. Mm -hmm. That's what tricks them way more so because you can have play action passes out of the pistol where you fake the handoff, stick it in the gut, but then pull it back out in order to throw, that might be happening. But the defense gets to see it all happen in front of them. They can see the football the entire time. Whereas if the quarterback is under center, you turn your back, fake the handoff, now you can't see the football the entire time, especially on the end, like Aaron Rodgers is always good at this. Peyton Manning was always really good at this. They yeah, found art to it. Right. You would even after the fake handoff, fake maybe like, not even half a second, like a split second. And it, it's everything's happening so fast in the NFL. That little bit means you got a receiver that was able to get two yards separation because of that. Right. Or something equivalent to an open wide receiver. And the fact that they weren't doing it enough, because even the RPO conversation that we had, I know Frank Wright got accused of not running it enough, but he was running it at about a mid-level compared to every other NFL team. I think he was somewhere in like the 16-14 range, something like that. But it's not with his back turned. And so the defense gets to see everything on top of a bad offensive line. Now they know, oh, that running back ain't got the football. Oh, I'm just going to beat Icky one-on-one. You want to run this stunt and immediately get to the quarterback? Okay, cool. Because we saw that you didn't give the football to the running back. Now all we have to do is run a stunt. And history tells us we're going to sack Bryce Young or we're going to force a pressure. Tell me how Bryce had any hope at all. I He needs to play better. Okay? Like, if, if you're not hearing us and you just say, well, he needs to play better. All right, fine. But hear us. He needs help. He needs help from coaching. He needs help from the offensive line. And he needs help from the wide receivers. You can hear Wes and Walker live and local every weekday afternoon from noon to 3. Sit tight and stay locked because Instant Replay continues next.
on the Yacht Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. The exclusive home of the Charlotte Sports Fan. You're listening to Instant Replay on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Because great radio the second time around is always twice as nice. Earlier this afternoon on the Kyle Bailey Show. Now that college football is over, a lot of teams in the Carolinas worth talking about, and big national news as well. We welcome back from CBS Sports, national college football writer and insider Barrett Salee back with us on the Body Works Plus guest hotline. Barrett, how you been, man? We appreciate the time. I'm doing great. How are you? Doing well, doing well. Uh, I'm going to start with the obvious and, and biggest one of them all because, uh, you know, I'll, I as someone who does this for a living, this is last week was one of those moments I'll always remember where I was when Nick Saban hung it up. And um, it was a short time thereafter that they landed on Kalen DeBoer. Just take me through those, let's say, 48 hours from your own perspective and whether or not you think Kalen DeBoer is the guy to replace Nick Saban, which seems like a ridiculous thing to say out loud. <laughs> well, I guess first when Saban retired, I was not necessarily surprised. Uh, after the Rose Bowl, I was on CBS Sports HQ and said, and was asked what the likelihood of him retiring was, and I said 50-50. And the reason is watching him on that podium in the press conference, he seemed content. And that's not like Nick Saban, especially after a dramatic loss. Like that, That's not his, his demeanor. And he said something that I completely believe, and I think it's the reason he retired, is that he's most proud of this team. He's more proud of this team than any other team he's coached because of where they were and where they finished. And, you know, got me thinking, like, hey, you know what? From our perspective, the outsiders that don't coach, riding off into the sunset means with a trophy, with a championship. I think for Saban, it means, you know, being content in the best coaching job of your career. And that's truly what I think this year was for him. So, uh, I wasn't necessarily surprised. And, you know, as far as Greg Burns, like we'd heard rumblings that this was, you know, sort of a, a possibility uh, throughout the course of the season. And I don't think Kalen DeBoer is sort of the hot name at the hot, at the right time. I, I think that this is somebody that, um, that Greg Byrne was certainly keeping an eye on even before Washington became, you know, in, in the middle of a playoff race. So I, I think it's, He's fine. He's a winner. And I think there's some comparisons. I, I think the, the question was, is the Urban Meyer, an outsider who comes in and hires, his, uh, hires great recruiters with ties, or is he Brian Harson, an outsider who comes in and basically refuses to recruit and doesn't hire anybody with local ties? And he's, he's going to get Kane Womack, right? Like yeah. That's the South Alabama head coach. You know, he, he's, he's got already a good foundation and you know so i think he'll be fine is it going to be nick saban no is it going to be a dynasty no uh is it going to make the playoff every single year most of them probably not all of them and <laughs> that's just that's it's perfectly fine you're right it is it is perfectly fine so i think you touched on something there is it safe to say then just to button up that point that as i said on thursday if kalen DeBoer fails at alabama it's probably not because he's not a good football coach it's the culture, the politics, the recruiting of the SEC that he just probably doesn't acclimate to. Is that is that about fair? Yeah, for sure. And I think it was clear during his opening press conference on Saturday that it was sort of a lingering question because he had to answer it like six times. And uh, Greg Byrne even was asked about it. And, and he said that that was one of the biggest uh, questions he had when they met in Seattle last week. And I think... 
you know, you can sit here and say that, you know, if you're Kalen DeBoer, yeah, I'm going to hire my, I'm going to hire some recruiters and guys with local talent. And then you bring in Ryan Grubb from the outside. And I think that maybe got some Alabama eyes, eyes raised, eyebrows raised a little bit. And then you co convinced the head coach at South Alabama to come be your defensive coordinator. <laughs> you know, it's, it's like, and a really good head coach too. South Alabama was good last year. Uh, I think that tells you all you need to know about how he's going to approach this new job. I like it. Now, l- let me get a little closer to home here. Uh, Chapel Hill, about two hours away, but a lot of Heels fans in the audience. Uh, Drake May and, hell, Sam Howell and Drake May are gone, right? Two NFL-caliber quarterbacks have passed through the program. Not enough wins, if you ask Carolina fans. Um, they hired Jeff Collins to be their D.C., which I like, but uh, they've now got the big question mark at quarterback, and you know, there's some discontentment with Mac Brown, and you know, a lot of fans feeling like the, the program has lost all momentum. What's your perspective on North Carolina and where Mac Brown is right now? I'd love to know what um, what the momentum is, honestly, because North Carolina has always been a good to pretty good program under Mac Brown, and that's all I think that you know that that's not that's not a lot of momentum, honestly. So uh, you know, going in and getting a transfer, Max Johnson, you know, Max is good if he's healthy. Uh, he's really good if he's healthy. Uh, is he Drake May? No, but there's a lot of losses on that roster, obviously. Um, but I think for for Max, you know, I think the bigger thing was getting Gene Chizik out. And I love Gene Chizik. He just, it was passes. The defense had passed him by. And I think offensively, there's still some pieces there. So I don't, I don't necessarily, I'm not sour on Max. I just think maybe if the expectation is winning the ACC every single year or, you know, competing in the ACC championship game every single year, that's, that's not really how North Carolina is built, especially in a conference that has, you know, Clemson and, and Florida State. You know, those two teams, Clemson not this year, but Florida State and Clemson have typically been the two that run the conference. And so North Carolina's appearances are going to be, you know, not one say few and far between, but, you know, if you're, if you're eight and four, nine and three, you're competing for the ACC championship game appearance. And you're, depending on what you do there, you might be in, in the playoff race in the new era. So, that's the thing, you know, discontent with Mac, you know, okay, I get it, but if if he continues to do what he's been doing, then you might have a playoff shot once every three or four years, and wouldn't that be enough? Uh, in theory, yeah, in theory. But down the road at NC State, you know, they, they feel like they're dominating North Carolina in that rivalry, that they're in a better place as a program. Uh, Dave Doran killing the transfer portal. He's got Grayson McCall coming in, Noah Rogers from Ohio State, Jordan Waters from Duke coming in, uh, the, the tight end from UConn. They got their, their shutdown corner, Aiden White, coming back next year as well. Uh, again, from a nine-win team, NC State, I mean, is this a team that we have to seriously consider as a, as a title team next year in the ACC? I don't think so, and I don't. that's mostly because I'm not the biggest Grayson McCall guy. Ah, all right. I mean, you know, and that's, to say that, that's not to say they won't be, you know, in it November, but I, to me, I think that, you know, if you're looking at a team that might be, you know, top five in the ACC, I'm big on Clemson. I think Clemson's going to be pretty good. I'm big on Florida State. I love Mike Norvell. I, you know, as far as Miami goes, I don't know. We'll see. But uh, I do know that, you know, getting uh, the transfer portal, getting Cam Ward, that's a that's a good sign, you know. So uh, to me, I think NC State, what it did last year, is is kind of the ceiling 
But again, like that still on any given year still might be good enough to actually get in the college football playoff. Right. So I, I think with, with Dave Dorn, you're going to have those lulls where you're, you know, a seven win team counting a bowl game. You might get to 10 wins, but if you're nine and three, or maybe go to the ACC championship game and potentially win it, or I'm sorry, lose it. You still might be a playoff team. So no, I just think that's the ceiling. And yeah, North Carolina State has a, a lot coming back. But again, I'm not the biggest Jason McCall guy, so I wouldn't sit here and say, okay, yeah, this is he's going to be the difference maker. When I mean, I think the same thing was sort of said about Brennan last year. That, that's fair. Now that part's absolutely true. He and Robert and I were supposed to make sweet, sweet offensive music, and that just didn't work out the way that it was supposed to. Uh, Barrett, yeah, Barrett Salee, CBS Sports, he's with us here. Clemson, you mentioned Clemson. You're big on Clemson. So you you followed Dabo's instructions. You bought stock in the Tigers is what it sounds like. And I'm kidding about that, but like that's that's interesting to me because – I'm, I'm sitting here wondering, like a lot of people, you know, how much are they backsliding as a program? Are they backsliding at all? Like, is is Dabo finding his footing with the way the season ended? G- give me your perspective there. Well, I'm the exact opposite of Tyler from Spartanburg, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but no, I mean, they closed strong, obviously. You know, it was it was ugly for a while, especially in September. Um, but I think Garrett Riley kind of missed uh, misplaced where the strengths of that team were. It seems like he n- never really gave Cade Klubnick much of a chance early on to get comfortable, which I think just sort of um, sort of filtered through the entire team and that kind of lingered throughout the season. I think the offensive line will be much better. It was better as the year went on, and I think the biggest thing for them is. Do you have a difference maker outside at wide receiver? Because they they really didn't. Williams at times looked like one, but it to me it was that was the one sort of issue that prevented that offense from looking like I think a lot of us, myself included, expected to. So you have another off season. We'll see what Dabo does if Dabo does something in the next transfer portal window. You know, we don't know yet. Uh, but to me, I think in the ACC. When you can run the football, and we saw how much they can run the football in the bowl game with Bill Maffa, and you have a veteran, a veteran now, a quarterback in Kate Klubnick, and um, a coordinator in, in Gary Riley, who I think now has an offseason to sort of look in the mirror and, and realize what went wrong, I think they're going to be – I would well, here's the thing. For, for Clemson to make the playoff or anybody in the ACC to make the playoff, they just got to win the conference, and they'll be a top-four team, even if they're not really a top-four team. So – to me, I think Clemson's going to win the ACC. I did our uh, our playoff projection two weeks ago, or last week, whenever it was, before Saban retired. And uh, I had Clemson as a number three seed winning the ACC. Now, they're not the third best team in the country, but getting a bye is getting a bye, no matter, what, no matter how good you are. No doubt. Hey, Manny Diaz, quick take on you from him, because I felt like Elko was gone. I think he's a tremendous coach. I didn't know who they'd replace him with, and Manny Diaz would have been last on my list. Uh, if, you had t- if you had told me to guess who they were going to hire. Um, and I don't think it's a bad hire. I just think it's a really like weird type of hire, weird fit. It might be good. He does know the conference. He does know defense, which I don't think is a bad thing for Duke to hang its hat on. But I-, I still don't know if this works or not. What do you think? Yeah, you know, you mentioned weird. And that's exactly like when I saw the press conference, I'm like, that looks odd. Like, I-, I just, it's kind of hard to wrap my arms around it. But I, I think he'll do fine. You know, you <laughs> He's fundamentally sound defensively. I think sometimes 
Um, when he was at Miami, he kind of got distracted with other stuff, but that Penn State defense was phenomenal. You've never, ever had a question on how good he can be in terms of calling defensive plays or recruiting. So I think if you're Duke, that's, that's a foundation you can build off of. What's going to happen without Riley Leonard? I don't know. Probably not good things, but it, it is out of left field. But I do like the fact that he's got experience and he can recruit. And if you're at Duke, it takes a special kind of person to um, to convince players to go there. And I think his his attitude and the way he sells programs um, is is going to benefit Duke. There's no doubt. I like it. Uh, Barrett Salee, CBS Sports college football writer, insider, with us on the Body Works Plus guest hotline. Glad we could catch up, buddy. I appreciate the time. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks, man. See you. You tuned into Instant Replay when the audio was so good, it has to be heard again. Only on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. The exclusive home of the Charlotte sports fan.